Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train, America's second favorite podcast, where we bring the dark to light, where history never dies, <laughs> and where listener discretion is always advised. We make fun of and joke about the creepy and unsolved mysteries of the world, all while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible, or, or should I say that we can find, we'll put it that way. Anyway, yes, we are a comedy podcast and things can get pretty dark. So if you're new here and you're not into that, listen, no hard feelings. We get it. You know, we kind of bring some levities to some pretty dark issues and dark topics here. But, uh, you know, if you are, listen, thanks for giving us a chance. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Uh, you know, and to the rest of you who are, you know, back again, listen, you're my kind of people and I love you. I'm just saying I love you. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic Jonathan Sayer. That's right. Woo. And I have no one in the co-host chair today, and that's fine. That's okay. It's fine. Everyone just, everyone's abandoned me. <laughs> that's all right. I'm going to have a couple of, um, I have guests lined up coming up here soon. So, you know, we'll have some people either through, uh, you know, on the horn, talking to them via phone or having people in the studio. You know, now listen. Patreon this week. Now, we did something kind of fun last week. My wife and I, we talked about, you know, uh, about marriage and weddings and things like that. Gave some stats and gave the history of it because, hell, I didn't know anything about it. I'm married, been married for 10 years, and I had no idea where it all came from. So we talked about that. It was it was sweet because we have friends getting married, a lot of friends getting married. My son is getting married. Congratulations to Riley and Julia. I just got to get that out there. You guys probably, if you're an old school listener, you know who Riley is, that cynical little bastard. Anyway, congratulations to them. Also to, to Bill and Katie and Tommy and Michaela. Just everybody. Everybody out there that's getting hits right now. Brookie and just, there's there's like 35 fucking weddings this week. Did I even get into, oh yeah, we're two minutes in. I can cuss. <laughs> anyway, if you are new here, yes, I happen to have the mouth of a sailor. And I do apologize for that, kind of. Because if you're sensitive to it, well, I apologize. Kind of, again, not really. Anyway, Patreon this week's going to be uh, something fun. We actually, I have two different things. We're going to be doing an episode of F That Guy, except it's going to be F Those Kids, where I found a ton more of underage child uh, murderers throughout the world. And, I mean, there is a slew of them. So um, I'm going to go through those and, uh, you know, just kind of, just, I can get away with things a little bit easier over there. So if you're into this show... And you're like, wow, I'd like to hear him like really off the cuff. Well, get over and become a Patreon subscriber. All right. You can do that over at patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. Or you can go to the Midnight Train Podcast.com. That's our official website. And you can uh, click on it over there. I want to thank one of our new listeners and new Patreon subscribers for uh, letting me know that our link on there was broke, uh, broken. Excuse me. You have to use the appropriate language. Uh, so if you have tried to sign up and that wasn't working for you, well, it's fixed now. So, all right, all right, and we'll be doing, an, uh, I also have another one too we're, uh, for Patreon that's going to be coming, which is going to be the not-so-drunken uh, night with our friends, and uh, yeah, and if you go back and listen to the old-school Patreon ones, yeah, we got a little bit, a little too drunk, <clears throat> this time we're going to keep it, we're going to keep it steady, slow and steady, so anyway, get over there, sign up, support the show, support me, support what uh, I'm doing Keeping this thing rolling for almost, that's right, almost four years coming up. And I'm doing it from the basement of my house. 
I'm doing it with with guests and without guests and and, and with co-hosts and without co-hosts and so on and so forth. And yada yada yada. Anyway, I'm talking your damn ear off. Let's get out of here. All right. Let's let's just let's just save the rest of the business till the end. Okay. Because yeah, there's something really cool that I'm sure some of you who are new here already know about. And if you haven't seen our socials, uh, I'll explain later. So uh, let's turn on the lights, which mine are nice and subtle right now. Adjust our seats. Hold on. Let me adjust that. Okay. All right. And grab a drink. Got it. I'm actually drinking some Weller right now for any of you uh, bourbon aficionados out there. It's the green label. Don't get too excited. Anyway, it's fun. I mean, it's still good. You know what I mean? Anyway. And today we're going to get... Oh, strange. Very strange. Back into true crime, unsolved true crime, and very, very, very strange. Anyway. But anyway, here's a toast to all of you new and old school passengers, you beautiful motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. That, of course, is my old project with my buddy Jeff, who was once upon a time a uh, co-host here. And uh, yeah, uh, that is the uh, the Cool Whips. And you're more than welcome to go and find that and disturb everyone around you as you listen to it, because it is different. <laughs> yeah. All right. So today we're talking about uh, an unsolved murder case that kind of was like i don't know too much about this i dove into it and i'm like wait a minute and then it, this thing was like a serious like you know the whole onion adage where just one layer after another after another after another or you know if you're a parfait you know parfait <laughs> parfait has layers too sorry and drink up if you know the game anyway so june 23rd of 1965 was not your typical wednesday for houston police captain charles bullock and lm barda his partner Instead, the warm 92-degree evening led the two seasoned officers to the house of Fred Rogers and his wife, Edwina, to check on the couple in a standard welfare check. You know how that goes. You know, if you're not hearing from somebody, you can send the cops over and say, hey, I'm worried about this person, and they will go. And they'll knock on the door, and they'll see, you know, make sure everything's all right, right? So uh, Marvin Martin, um, uh, Edwina's nephew, okay, this, so this is the nephew of Edwina here, was worried that, you know, he hadn't heard from her friend. A little bit of, you know, some time, and asked the police to stop by their home to ensure that everything was cool. All right? So he's, he's concerned, and the nephew's concerned. I like that. Well, it wasn't. In fact, it was far from it. So as the officers uh, knocked on the elderly couple's door, they were met with nothing more than an eerie and foreboding silence. Then, walking around to the back of the quiet home, the officers stumbled upon something that immediately alerted them. What they saw was confounding and peculiar. A barricade of flower pots was set up to block the back door, and the weary officers moved past them, opening the door and finding themselves inside the Rogers kitchen. Okay, so they're inside the house now, and they're just standing in the kitchen. Standing in the middle of this noiseless room that most likely once flowed with the smells and tastes of what can 
you know, one can only imagine as a deliciousness, Captain Bullock's heart began to race. Food was just sitting out on the table, but nothing else seemed, you know, nothing else that you would consider to be, quote-unquote, out of place. However, he knew something was off. Later, remembering that uh, something, quote, just didn't feel right as he and his partner stood there calling out for any sign of the couple. Then, the captain slowly walked toward the refrigerator, not fully knowing why his curiosity was taking him in that direction. He was just kind of like, huh, I don't know, check the refrigerator out. I don't know, maybe, you know, somehow, he says he, he didn't actually know why he went to the refrigerator, but maybe at that moment in time, he was kind of just like, you know, curious, like, you know, is there food in here still? Like, I, I, he, he doesn't know, so I don't know, so I mean, whatever, we'll just, whatever. So it was a simple refrigerator like he's seen and, you know, multiple times and used almost daily. But this time there he was with a gut feeling that maybe something was in there and that could give the officers some insight into where the couple may have actually gone. Quote, for some reason, I just opened it. As the captain and his backup opened the refrigerator and peered inside, it didn't appear to be anything more than the typical pig meat staying cool and fresh amidst the heat of the Texas summer. Nothing suspicious at all. It was all washed, sliced, and stacked neatly. Nothing unusual. However, glancing around the refrigerator, something in the lower drawer uh, kind of drew their attention. There were the, uh, the you know, the, where the carrots and the vegetables and the celery and everything, uh, you know, where that usually goes in the little veggie drawer down there, were the uh, decapitated heads of Fred and Edwina Rogers. Yikes. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's going to be that kind of episode, folks, just so you know. And it gets great. This is one of the most weird... What the... F- yeah, anyway, sorry. That was a weird noise I just made right there. <laughs> it was determined that their ends, you know, came from Fred being beaten to death with a claw hammer and Edwina being beaten and then shot in the head. All of this happening on Father's Day. Right... Both of them had been um, exsanguine. I put that word in there (laughs) specifically because I knew I can nail that word. I can nail it. Exsanguinated. Exsanguinated. There you go. I got it, right? And dismembered. Okay, so they were just, their blood just was drawn out of their body. They were completely bled dry. Not dry, but they were bled and bled out, should I say. And they were dismembered. But it seemed the murderer had a, the murderer, should I say, had a grudge against Fred. Okay, old Papa Fred over here. He unfortunately received the worst. His eyeballs and genitals had been brutally removed and his entrails were flushed down the fucking toilet. Yep. Oh, and then by the way, remember the pig meat I was talking about in the refrigerator? Yeah, those were pieces of their dismembered limbs and torsos and... Some of their internal organs were never found. So, I mean, could it have, could they have been flushed down first? Maybe, and maybe that's why they didn't find them. Or is it potentially possible that somebody, I don't know, ate them? I, I listen. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm postulating at this point in time. I, I just <laughs> either way. So this is dubbed the Icebox Murders. This insanely vicious double murder has remained unsolved, but with one potential and highly likely subject. Or should I say suspect? Subject, suspect, whatever you want to say. (laughs) Anyway, 
The suspect is Charles Rogers. This is the son of the two murdered people. Okay, this is their the, the couple's son. So now let's let's talk a little bit about parasite. Okay, not parasite, parasite or parasite. I believe it's parasite. All right, so that is the term for deliberately killing one's father, mother, spouse, children, or close relative. This is all from Wikipedia here, just so I make sure everyone knows where I got this from. However, the term is sometimes used more generally to refer to the intentional killing of a near relative. It is an umbrella term that can refer to acts of matricide, which is the killing of one's mother, and patricide. Uh, That's the killing of one's father. Okay, so there's matricide. Uh, and uh, patricide, and then parasite. Parasite's kind of the, the whole one of killing of, of well, as they say, a close relative or, or a spouse or children or whatever. Now, there's different terms for that, too, like with the children, which is super fucked. Uh, anyway, so according to a report put out by the U.S. Department of Justice on family violence statistics, way to fuck that word up, of the nearly 500,000 men and women in state prisons for a violent crime in 1997... were there for a violent crime against a family member. Nearly half of all of the uh, family violence, um, excuse me, the offenders of these family, you know, violent acts here in state prisons were serving a sentence for a sex offense against a family member. That is so gross. Jesus. In addition, over three quarters of parents convicted of a violent crime against their son or daughter were in prison for a sex offense. What the fuck is wrong with people? Uh, I swear, sometimes I sit here and I'm like, why, why do you do this show again? You know, you get upset every time. You do. You get, you get upset. You get, you get queasy and you end up just not trusting anyone ever. And because everybody out there has the potential to be a piece of shit. And so you, you continue to do this. Why? Why, John? Why? 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 And I don't have an answer for that. So I digress. Anyway. So of the crimes for which family violence offenders were in prison, uh, most were against a female. Okay, 78%. Shocker, because men are dicks. More than half were against a child under the age of 18. Okay. More than a third were against a child under the age of 13. About 90% of offenders in state prisons for family violence had injured their victim. Okay. 50% of family violence victims were raped or sexually assaulted. Jesus. 28% of the victims uh, of family violence were actually killed. And then 50% of offenders in state prisons for spousal abuse had actually killed their victims. 50% of the people, so basically 50% of the 15% of people that were in there, out of the 500,000 people, half of those people killed their spouse. And assuming that most were against female, I'm going to say that that was a lot of men fucking up that's what they're doing jeez of state prison inmates in prison for a crime against their son or daughter 79% had raped or sexually assaulted a child and another 10% had killed the child among family violent uh, violence offenders in state prisons in 1997 most were male at 93% 6 out of 10 were white while a quarter was black about 80% were between the ages of 25 and 54. That's kind of a big-ass gap, isn't it? Like, it's like saying, you know, 100% were between 0 and 100. You know, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I make my own shit up. Among uh, offenders incarcerated in state prisons for family violence, 23% had a, uh, used a weapon to commit their crime. 
the uh, comparable percentage among state prisoners incarcerated. Sean Connery just showed up. Many penny. Here's let's talk about this. I don't know why. Anyway. So basically they're saying that the uh, a, a percentage similar to that among state prisoners who are in jail for non-family violence was higher at 46%. Okay? So non so just violence but not non but non-family. Convicted family violence offenders comprised about 22% of the nearly 86,500 convicted violent offenders in local jails in 2002. Most of them, 60% um, are uh, of the approximately uh, 18,700 jail inmates incarcerated for family violence were in prison for an aggravated assault. Right. So local jail inmates convicted of family violence reported that, uh, let's see, one, their uh, victims were predominantly female. Shocker. Now, this is in 2002. Okay. And so we're just kind of seeing where everything correlates here. Nearly 30% of their victims were under the age of 18. Okay. Among jail, uh, local jail inmates convicted of family violence, 55% injured their victims. Most convicted jail inmates serving uh, time for violence against a family member, which were 88%, did not use a weapon during their crime. So they were just physical, you know, using their hands or feet or whatever the hell it is. It's fucked up. Among jail inmates convicted of family violence, 45% had been sub- uh, subject to a restraining order at some point in time. 45% of these people had a some sort of a restraining order and about 18% were under an active restraining order at the time of admission to jail like first and foremost we all know the red flags and I'm not going to get on some high horse or whatever but I did just listen to a couple podcasts this week that kind of made me a little upset alright and I would love to give them a shout out but I don't know if I get in trouble for that or what I don't know whatever anyway you guys know, everyone knows the red flags. Guys, you know the red flags. Girls, you know the red flags. Like, uh, girls, women, ladies, you guys know the red flags. Stop thinking that those red flags are, no, he was just in a bad mood. No, he was just this. No, he was just, get get out. Get out, especially if you see any type of violence. Run. Run to the hills. You like that? Yeah. Anyway, get out. Stop making excuses and just go. All right, you'll be much better off. All right. Anyway, all those stats aside, I just want to kind of talk about that a little bit because, you know, when we think about, you know, um, we hear a lot about the sensationalism about, you know, um, kids killing or, you know, a a family being slaughtered by somebody or whatever. But when you listen to the statistics or whatever, it's really it's not as bad. It's still a horrible problem, but it's more about the violence that leads up to it. You know what I mean? Like that violence can it it perpetually perpetually. Today, Junior. Jesus. It perpetually exacerbates and gets worse and worse if it's not taken care of. And the first time should be the last time. And there should never be a first time, but that should be the last time. You know what I mean? So anyway. All right. So that's the whole thing about that. And so Charles Rogers, this is the son now, right? The son of the Rogers couple here who were found dismembered and brutally just, oh boy, just skinned and sliced and entrails and and the dude's nuts were taken oh boy so anyway he was 42 years at um, um at the time okay of the murders and he lived with his parents at their home he attended texas a&m um but he dropped out and then started at university of houston and he earned a bachelor of uh, science degree in freaking nuclear physics yeah so he wasn't some dummy, all right? This guy was actually very, very intelligent. We'll talk about that quite often as we go through this. 
Charles was also a pilot in the Navy and flew during World War II and served in the Office of Naval Intelligence. It's amazing. You know what I mean? Like, this guy has, it sounds like he has so much going for him, right? Right. So after that one guy with the silly mustache was gone, or was he, and the war was over, he came home and got a job as a seismologist for an oil company. So let's see, so far, <laughs> a degree in nuclear physics, 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 physics. <laughs> I don't know why my mouth just hates me. Uh, flew during the naval uh, in the navy during World War II, and then got out and got a job uh, for an oil company as a seismologist. Okay, looking for oil. Okay, I actually know someone that was very, very close and near and dear to my heart that uh, did that and actually found a lot of oil. Uh, he did that gig for nine years until he just up and quit in 1957 with zero fucks and zero explanations to give to anyone. He was just like, I'm out. He was just there. Whatever. Now, this may have been the time where maybe things mentally might have started to decline for him a little bit. You know, it's possible. So according to people who knew him well, Charles had a knack for finding gas, oil, and gold. And get this. This some bitch actually spoke seven languages on top of everything else that we're talking about. I can barely spit out the one I was born speaking, you know. And this guy's talking seven of them. Talk, he talked seven good. <laughs> he then joined the Civil Air Patrol, a uh, which is a volunteer organization uh, with an aviation-minded membership that serves as the official civilian auxiliary of the United States Air Force. And I had to look that shit up because I had no idea what, the, what it was. So thank you, Wikipedia. I'm going to keep saying that, too, just because of that one review we got. <laughs> just over and over. I'm going to keep saying it. So anyway, this is where Charles met Cleveland-born David Ferry, an alleged conspirator in the assassination of <laughs> President John F. Kennedy, who was supposedly buddies with Lee Harvey Oswald. Not John F. Kennedy, but this David Ferry guy. That'd be fucked up if Kennedy was friends with Oswald, wouldn't it? Oh, my God. That would change the whole thing. No, but this dude that he met, that Charles met, um, uh, David Ferry, he's actually from Cleveland, right here. Not that I'm proud of him being from Cleveland because, I don't know, fuck that guy too. Anyway, so he actually met this David Ferry guy there and he was supposedly involved in the assassination or at least a conspirator, conspirator involved in John F. Kennedy's assassination, okay? They attended, uh, attended the, uh, the same Civil Air Patrol, but he says he didn't actually know the alleged assassinator. Okay, so he he says that because they were kind of there, and they were like maybe in different classes or whatever. But then some people say no, they knew each other. And there's like a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of back and forth with all this. And it, this whole thing gets so so. Right now, we're talking about a guy that may potentially be friends with someone who was a, a involved in the assassination of a U.S. president. Okay, D- did you guys think that's where this was going? Because I sure shit didn't. Okay, so um, Charles was a brilliant overachiever, obviously. But why did the police think Charles had murdered his parents and defiled their lifeless bodies? Kind of weird, right? Like, why? Why of all people? Oh, by the way, they had no idea where the hell he was at all. They did not know anything. And as we'll talk about it, he there there has... We'll keep going. We'll keep going. So Charles quit his job and moves uh, back in with mommy and daddy, right? Okay. By all accounts, he was just super reclusive and even went as far as sliding notes under his bedroom door just to talk to his folks. Even the neighbors didn't know that he was actually living there. All right? He was just like some little mooching hermit just hanging out at 40-some years old. The, infi- uh, the official investigation into the murder shows that the bodies were dismembered in the upstairs bathroom by someone with, quote, 
some knowledge of anatomy. Now, there was hardly any blood throughout the entire house appearing. You know, it looked like somebody had deep cleaned everything after this brutal onslaught. However, the only blood found in the house led straight to Charles's bedroom. Yeah, I got to fix that little flub in the beginning of that. (laughs) It's like, sorry, I'll fix it. Yeah, but whatever. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll leave it there now because I made a point to tell you guys. But anyway, so they 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 find just a, just a little bit of blood up in his bedroom, right? Yeah, not just in his bedroom, but the fuzz found a blood-stained keyhole saw in his bedroom, in the bedroom, but zero traces of Charles anywhere, like ever, okay? This dude has been gone. Nobody has seen or heard from him. Well, we'll talk about it, but nobody... There has been no like legitimate like sightings of the guy ever since, well, I guess before this happened. You know what I mean? Because he was such a recluse. So a keyhole saw, if you don't know, is a uh, long, narrow saw used for cutting small, often awkward features in various building materials or bodies. Anyway, just saying. Um, all right. So now brilliant, you know, Hermit Charles, he snaps and allegedly just murders his parents in a super fucked up and brutal way and then just walks off into the sunset, right? Super weird. Super fucking weird, right? Right. Well, tighten your freaking seatbelts here, passengers, because this ride is about to get extra bumpy. So now, (sighs) you got to follow me on this because this gets real convoluted and real weird all over the place. So a couple of dudes named John R. Craig and Philip A. Rogers, not related as far as I know, they may, I don't know, I don't, I didn't see that anywhere, but they wrote a book in 1992 called The Man on the Grassy Knoll. You all know what the Grassy Knoll is, right? That's where, you know, supposedly that there was the, the extra person that was potentially a shot, President Kennedy, right? Um, so this book su- suggests that Charles was actually a CIA agent who was alleged to have impersonated Lee uh, Harvey Oswald in Mexico City. Okay, so this book is saying this, that 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 Charles was actually a CIA agent and he impersonated the guy who allegedly assassinated the president. Okay, they claim that a dude named Charles Har- Harrelson and brilliant hermit Charles Rogers were one of the two shooters involved in the assassination of President Kennedy. The authors contend that Rogers, Harrelson, and another bloke named Chauncey Holt, and we'll talk about him in a little bit, were the three tramps photographed in question in Dealey Plaza after the assassination, and that Hermit Charles murdered his parents because his mother was being all Snoopy and shit and following all of his phone calls. The author also suggests that the uh, that Charlie the Hermit here actually fled to Guatemala. Okay. So the three tramps, you can look it up online. It's uh, three guys that look like they're being arrested, but they're, you know, whatever. And we'll talk about it a little bit. And I didn't know anything about this picture. And I've actually been to the JFK Museum. And I don't think I remember seeing that in any way, shape, or form. I may have. Remember, I tend to drink a little bit. I mean, not right now. (laughs) I mean, right now, yeah. Anyway, so I, I didn't know anything about this, and it seems that this picture basically, like, there was a huge to-do about it, and, and we'll go through that as well. So obvious speculation arose as to who these men were and if they had a hand in the death of the 35th president of the United States. And, by the way, you can listen to our JFK Assassination Conspiracies episode from May 5th of 2020. Boy, are there a lot of them. Now, listen, 
right now, this all sounds really kind of weird, right? You got a murdered group of parents, group of parent, a group of parents, a couple, a couple, a, a murdered couple, two parents. They were. It's not like a group of parents, and I like a, you know a PTA meeting or something like that. But no, you got two parents, you know, mom and dad, who have been not only murdered but murdered hard, and the son gone like dust in the wind dude you know what i'm saying all we are is dust in the wind dude drink up anyway so and then all of a sudden they're saying that he is uh, affiliated with this guy and not even just affiliated that he was actually one of the ones who had a hand in it all right but <laughs> this story gets even weirder so now remember i mentioned charles harrelson you know, not our Charles, not Hermit Chuck over here. Um, well, he was a contract killer. And in 1982, uh, he was higher than a giraffe's ass on cocaine. Yeah, not a joke. When he confessed to killing Judge John H. Wood Jr. And he was actually wanted for this. So, like, this is a legit thing. He didn't just confess and say, yeah, I did it. See, coppers? I don't know. It's 1982. I don't know why he's talking like that. Anyway, um, but he was wanted for that one. And when he got popped or whatever, he said, yeah, I, I killed that one. But I also killed President Kennedy. Now, this all, this confession came after a, uh, a six-hour, um, you know, standoff with the cops, you know. Not coming out, see? Nah. Again, I don't know why I do that. So, now, during his trial, Joseph Chagra, the brother of drug dealer, uh, I'm going to fuck this name up. It's either Yamiel, because it's J-A-M-I-E-L, or Jamil. Jamil? Maybe it's Jamil. Jamil Chagra? That sounds better. <laughs> it's very wrong. So anyway, his brother, who was a drug dealer, so Jamil Chagra was like this big, big, huge drug dealer or whatever. Um, his brother, Joseph Chagra, actually testified that Harrelson was bragging about shooting President Kennedy and, and even went as far to draw maps showing him where he hid during the assassination. So Joseph Chagra um, said that Harrelson's claim was, you know, obviously bullshit and subsequently it was reported by the alternate press that uh, the FBI, quote, apparently discounted um, any involvement by Harrelson in the Kennedy assassination. Okay, so you got this guy who's saying, yeah, I did it. I was a part of it. Well, I, I was a part of it. You know what I mean? Even bragging to other people, but the person he was bragging to was like, this dude's full of shit. I don't, I don't believe him. And then when it got to like the AP, they were just like, yeah, no, everyone thinks it's full of shit. So the FBI was like, ah, this guy's full of shit. So, so far, this guy's just full of shit, right? So the three tramps identities, remember that picture I talked about, they had remained unknown, right? Still, several assassination specialists claimed that Charles Harrison, uh, Harrelson, excuse me, was the tall guy in the picture. Okay, now, if that's the case, that means he was there. Okay, now this theory is according to the book Crossfire by Jim Mars. Now, Mars here claimed that the uh, this 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 Charles the, the not our Charles I don't want to say our Charles not not Chucky the Hermit this guy the guy who's full of shit he was in cahoots with criminals connected to certain intelligence agencies and some folks some some higher ups in the military so it's possible maybe he had some connections and some ability to get in there and do what he claims to have done. So Mars also claimed that Charles number two knew the infamous murderer of Lee Harvey Oswald. That's Jack Ruby. All right. That they were friends or whatever. They knew each other. All right. Which could, I don't really even know how that fits in this puzzle. 
because if he's the guy that killed Harvey Oswald and then our Oswald was being framed for, well, maybe that's why, because if you're being framed for something and, oh, we talked about that too. Oh man, my head hurts. Uh, oh, anyway, moving on. So now in October of 1991, Chauncey Holt, remember I mentioned him a little bit earlier saying that he was one of the three tramps along with Harrelson and our Charles Rogers, right? Well, he confessed to uh, Craig and Philip Rogers, the guys who wrote the book and Gary Shaw, the first book saying that he and Charles Rogers actually assassinated Kennedy, right? Okay. However, Holt's story (laughs) was called Absolute Horse Dookie in 1992 when the Dallas Police Department identified the three tramps in the picture, the actual real people, as Gus Abrams, John F. Gedney, and Harold Doyle. All right? So now, Doyle and Gedley, they were actually traced down. They actually found these guys, and they confirmed that they were, in fact two of the tramps in the notorious photograph. Now, Gus a- Abrams, unfortunately, had passed away, but his sister actually said, yeah, that, that's him. He's the third guy in that picture. Okay? Crazy, right? So, by the way, the that book, the very first one, you know, where they're trying to say that he was a part of the assassination, Charles, the son, whatever, the man in the grassy knoll, well, it's pretty much called a piece of shit by Publishers Weekly, so <laughs> I'm paraphrasing, of course. Paraphrasing, right? Allegedly. No, I mean, it really was. All right, so Charlie here, our Charlie, not our Charlie, damn it. He allegedly had a hand in killing President Kennedy and murdered his parents because his mom was, quote, on to him, right? Seems a bit thin at best, if I do say so myself. Now, there was another book, though. After years of research on the case, Hugh Garden- Gardner, Gardner, <laughs> I don't know, could be French, Hugh Gardner, whatever, He's a forensic accountant, and his wife, Martha, said that John R. Craig and Philip A. Rogers claimed that Charlie was a CIA operative was absolute bull dookie due to a lack of evidence. Okay, and it does kind of seem that they they were taking like little, everything they were talking about was extremely circumstantial. You know what I mean? So, whatever. Now, they do admit that Charlie, you know, he did kill his parents. Obviously, they're, they're, they're saying he killed his parents and did have dealings with contract workers for the CIA when he was working as the seismologist, remember? He said he was looking for oil and he was really good at it. So now this husband and wife team believes that Charlie planned the murder of his parents for years because his pops was an abusive asshole and both parents were, quote, devious con artists. This is according to this husband and wife that wrote the book. According to the Gardeners, Gardeners, Papa Fred was a bookie who regularly engaged in illegal activities such as gambling and fraud. They postulate that Dad continued abusing Charlie and started to steal money from him, taking out loans in his name and robbing him of his savings. All right. So Charlie the Hermit's like probably getting pissed off at this point in time, according to them. Allegedly. Right? Right. <sighs> so they uh, they claimed that, um, you know, after Charles killed and Um, butchered his parents, he fled the United States for Mexico. And he was never found because he had, quote, powerful friends. (laughs) I'm getting the use out of that button today, aren't I? Uh, Anyway, he got powerful friends uh, while playing on his ham radio nerd and working for various oil and mining companies. And ham radio, you know, it's like a CB, you know what I mean? Kind of, whatever. So now, these two suggest that Chuck the Mutt, see what I Charles. Sorry. 
<laughs> well, anyway, he eventually made his way to the Honduras, where he was killed over money problems with some miners and unalived with a pickaxe. Not kids, not like miners, not like that, but like real digging the ground guys. Yeah, be fucked up if like a bunch of kids just circled him, and especially after last week's episode. Jesus. Now, yeah. Anyway, so now anything's feasible, but no, it was actual miners, like you know, pickaxes and freaking black on their face or depending on what they're mining I guess you don't have to have black on your face with your coal miners Dave I was born to be a coal miner's daughter I, I don't even know what's going on today oh boy a lot of excitement lately that's right okay so that's pretty much everything I could kind of find as far as like you know without having stuff that's just regurgitated over and over again and it's a crazy story to me because of the connections and, the, and the, the possible links with, like, the Kennedy assassination stuff. But here's my problem with this entire thing. Charles was a brilliant guy with more accreditations under his belt than I have empty liquor, liquor bottles just sitting by my feet. And I, do I have any? Yeah, I do. Anyway. Um, but if the house was cleaned so thoroughly, I mean, no blood anywhere other than on the fucking murder weapon found in his bedroom... Why would he have left something so obvious behind? The amount of blood those two bodies must have released is almost unfathomable. Unfathomable. Unf- <laughs> Without fathom. <laughs> Sorry. I keep trying that fucking word. So I will leave you with this, passengers, okay? I know this is a little bit shorter of an episode, but that's because I, I just, there's not really a lot out there, and I didn't know anything about this, but when I dove into it, I was like, holy shit, kibibble. Anyway. I'll leave you with this. And by all means, please do your own research. I, I, I really you know, support you guys doing that and really want you to get out there and kind of look at things because I'd love to hear your input on it. But if dad, here, here's kind of my, we'll call it a theory, if you will. If dad was a bookie and he and mom were both involved in some, we'll call them unethical activities, isn't it at least slightly possible that someone outside the family got fucked over by either one or both of the parents and then murdered all three family members and then planted the murder weapon taking Chuck the Mutt with them and disposing of him elsewhere or maybe even killing him later I mean there has legitimately not been any sign of him after the murders or even potentially up to the murders remember the neighbors never they didn't need he, they had no idea he lived there or what What if, and here's another take, what if Charles, the son, was already dead, taken out by whoever was fucked over, and the parents were scared and covering it up? Then, if the neighbors never saw or heard from him, how do they know he was even there? You know what I mean? Like, how do the neighbors know? They would have to take the parents' word for it, right? Well, either way, sleep tight, passengers. Yeah, boy, it's the movies, except I'm doing something a little bit different today. And that's because, well, there really isn't a, a, a lot of movies um, about uh, a, uh, you know, a murdered couple possibly killed by their son who may have been involved in the assassination of JFK. There's just not surprising, right? It's shocking. I mean, <laughs> who who'd have thunk it? Anyway, but I did find a movie um, that is... Uh, <laughs> 
what I want to do is I'll talk about the movie a little bit, but then I want to talk about, I want to do, start doing movie reviews. I want to read the movie reviews for you that are online because it is hilarious to me. And so we're going to go through some of these on this one. So the only movie I could find that was even named this, uh, the Icebox Murders, was uh, from, nah, let's see, uh, 1982 called El Cipo. I believe that's L-C-E-P-O. I'm just going to say that's right because eh, my show, do what I want. Anyway, directed by Francisco Rodriguez Gordillo with writers Francisco Rariza and Francisco Prosper. Why are there so many Francisco's doing this? Uh, with Jack Taylor, Myrta Miller, and Claudia Gravy. Hmm. Gravy. Gravy. Anyway, so this movie has nothing to do with what we just discussed in those actual murders. The All it says, this movie, all right, in the, the, the description of it here, a maniac murders beautiful women, then stores their body in a freezer. That's all it says. Okay? All right. So we'll uh, let's go down here real fast and see. Like, literally, storyline. A maniac murders beautiful women, then stores their body in a freezer. Now, that's fun. So what I first want to do is I want to read the reviews from the, uh, you know, the, crit- the critics. The critics review. I read one, and it was, like, longer than the episode. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. We're just, just going to go ahead. So this one says, quote, <laughs> this is from Buried.com. Uh, and this is from, uh, let's see, when did they leave the review? It doesn't say. Anyway, it says, kind of boring is about all I can say here. I really only saw one murder, though a few more were implied. This thing had a decent premise going for it. Has, uh, to, oh, wait, for it. Wait. Wait, going for it to as a weirdo. I think they meant T-O-O and then forgot that and the apostrophe afterwards. Oh, wait, this thing had a decent premise going for it. Two, as a weirdo doctor invites a woman and her friend to his mansion for a relaxing stay. He seems goofy enough to cause some damage, and his house and servant both are perfect for a good horror film setting. It just wasn't happening in this movie, though. Pissed me off in a way. It felt throughout like someone or something cool was going to happen or be revealed. Nope. Nothing. It had such potential. Uh, damn it. Heat again with the two. T-O, not T-O-O. Come on! <laughs> And a D. How are you going to write? Does no one proofread? Okay, one. If I saw one T O as opposed to T O O, slip by. Okay, I get it. All right, but it's just a typo. You didn't see that one because, especially when you're writing a lot, this is one paragraph. First of all, second of all, twice. That means that's how he writes that version of two, as in also. Anyway, it says uh, it has uh, had such a potential two. <laughs> And a decent bit of atmosphere and weirdness. It was too bad. Now, me spelled it right here. <laughs> Come on, man. Oh, it was too bad that we couldn't have had some action here other than talking and a couple of cheesy shootings. The best part was where the servant goes nuts and demands the two ladies take off their blouses so he can photo. He gets shot before we see. Oh, my God. Literally is what he says. And first of all. He, his punctuation is just horrible. He gets shot before we see tits, though. That. <laughs> oh, there's not even like an LOL or a smiley face or a haha or anything like that. It literally just says the best part was where the servant goes nuts and demands the two ladies take off their blouses so he could photo. Uh, comma. He gets shot before we see tits, though. Okay. 
Uh, last line, this scene sums it all up. Everything comes uh, everything comes up just a bit short. All right, so that's from, uh, I'm not even going to say who the name is, but it's from Buried.com. That's, that's just, I don't know, that, that, that was just hilarious to me. I'm, I'm, def, I'm definitely going to keep doing these, like like reading reviews on movies and stuff, so you guys have got to let me know when you, uh, <laughs> if there's movies or whatever, or if you like it, if you like what I'm doing, you know what I mean? Because you know, I like changing it up. I like switching it up a little bit. All right, let's see. This one is from Letterboxd. Boxed, no boxed. Yeah, there's no E, so letter boxed. Anyway, uh, let's see. Popular reviews. All I wanted to see was frozen corpses, and instead I got a bewigged, soft-spoken, sunglasses, sporting, impotent. Wait, oh my God, hold on. The way he, let's see this again. Oh wait, that's is that a? Oh, that's a. I guess that's a reader review, or a watcher review. A a a review not from someone who knows what they're talking about. All I really wanted to see was frozen corpses and instead i got a bewigged soft-spoken sunglass sporting impotent weirdo faking being crippled two middle-aged hookers sitting around complaining and a couple of chicks sticking their heads up through holes in shelves and trying to stay still trying to stay still to simulate being decapitated heads unoriginal dull talky and there's more blood and gore on the poster than in the actual movie and they don't they don't even use the damn animal traps Oh, yes, and no frozen corpses either. Boo. The original title, El Kipo or Sipo, whatever it is, means the leg hold trap. At least I learned that much by watching this. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. This dude was pissed off. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, that was boring. Uh, let's go. Uh, here we go. The front cover of the Spanish film's VHS video is pretty misleading as it's actually a slow moving, moving slower than snails, turtles, and molasses. From director Francisco Rodriguez Gordia, who has done uh, like, like, I'm not reading that, The Moonlight Murders, 90 Miles, okay, whatever. That is mainly about a dysfunctional family and the strange things that are centered around them. Despite the much-welcomed presence of familiar Spanish-European genre, cinema faces, uh, genre cinema faces Jack Taylor uh, from Panther Squad and Pieces and Myrta Miller from Eyeball, Count Dracula's Great Love. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, anyway, which translates English, whatever. It's an extremely dreary film that is completely worth skipping. So this guy says, don't watch it. And this one says, a Spanish Giallo Bluebeard by way of Psycho. What? And not as interesting as it sounds. Okay. And this one says, this one didn't even give it a star. Tepid drama with barely realized Giallo aspirations. I'm assuming that's another director. Maybe. I don't know. I'm stupid. That plays like a way more boring version of The Love Butcher. Oh my god, I would love if it said The Love Guru. <laughs> it plays out like The Glove Guru. <laughs> ah, okay, hold on. I got more in here. This is so fun. I swear. This is going to be my new favorite thing. Hopefully you guys like it. Um, Let's see. Nope, this guy's... Nope, nope. Way too long. Not doing all that. Nope, nope, nope. All right, let's go into the actual reviews on here. This is from IMDB, by the way. And uh, it's pretty amazing because there's really only two reviews on it. Um, it's got a 3.3 out of 10 stars, IMDb, the IMDb rating, and that's out of 58. So people didn't like it a whole lot. So uh, should I should I say I didn't like it? Something popped up. <laughs> All right, so this one, uh, the title is, this is from you know a user review. It says, uh, Toolbox Murders This Ain't. Okay, this is from June 13th, 2001. With the name The Icebox Murders, I was expecting something in the vein of gruesome going-ons and plenty of fake-looking frozen corpses. Instead, what I got was a lot of overly talky characters and dull moments. There is absolutely nothing I repeat, nothing noteworthy in the film. 
It is slow, boring, dull, and poorly made, adding to your already tiresome state if you make it all the way through. I kept thinking, quote, oh, well, this is all a quote, but okay, something good is bound to, uh, bound to happen now. But alas, the movie ended and I was completely let down. Even the killer's disguise, when it is revealed, is just ridiculous. I'm not even going to mention the acting. You know where I'm going with this. Steer clear of the Spanish boar fest and watching something nashy, nashy, or Franco for your Spaniard fix. And what, well, I don't know what he says. Toolbox murders, this ain't. Oh, wow. So he was expecting like actual icebox murders. Well, I mean, because when you read the title, that's what it says. You know, free, freezing bodies and shit. But apparently, like, it, none of that happened in it. <laughs> okay, now what does this one say here? Ooh, this one takes this way too seriously. Oh, boy. Ha, ha, ha. So this guy, um, it looks like his name is Penn E. Wise. Oh, he just, uh, 2022, so last year, he, uh, 28th of April, he just uh, made a, uh, a review on this. Gave it 3 out of 10 stars. But listen to how he talks, first of all, how he starts off. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to my review of El Kipo, Sipo, whatever the fuck it is, well, I don't know. The Icebox Murders. Before launching into my critique, here's a breakdown of my ratings. Story, 1, direction, 0.5, pace, 0.25. Acting, 0.75. Enjoyment, 0.5. Total, 3 out of 10. Look, he broke it down. <laughs> IMDb, I don't understand. Uh, all right, so he goes on. This is what he actually says. The only thing the Icebox Murders has going for it is its uh, is the story's synopsis. It's a shame the writers didn't have the skill to grow an intriguing idea into an engaging story. Even though other concepts come from the expanding story, these two are forgotten or misused, like Sylvie's nightmare sequence. Had this been pursued, then the story would have been infinitely less boring. But the writers ignored the opportunity, and the boredom began to develop. For real, he took way too... Somebody needs to, a hobby. Maybe this is a hobby. I don't know. I can't judge. Whatever. Um, he goes on to say, But the worst contributor to the, the tediousness is the director. Not only are there overly long scenes of nothing important, but everything is shot in an under-par way and at a drowsy pace. Halfway through the movie, one eye had left the screen and was browsing the net. How do you do that? How does one eye... How do you... Can he move both of his eyes? Separately? It's pretty cool. Um, sorry. By three quarters, though, uh, three quarters through, both eyes had drifted over to the smaller screen, and I was listening with half an ear. How do you... He's only got half an ear? Fucking weird. He's like a weird monster. Yet, I knew I missed uh, very little, for when I forced my attention back to the Icebox Murders, nothing much had changed. If not for the tenterweb, I'd have been snoring. The performances from the cast are as solmonent as... He loves thesaurus.com. Um, solmonent as the direction. My God, was everybody working in or on this film on tranquilizers? The only spark of life comes from the servant and the actor who played him. Sadly, his exaggerated acting only adds to the inferior feel, feel of the film. And then he says, please feel free to visit my killer. <laughs> it's just, he, I guess he has his own website. And he got, nobody even responded to him. Probably because nobody's seen this fucking movie is why I haven't. Anyway, all right, listen, those were, the, that's the movie reviews that we're going to start doing. And maybe we might do some like movies, like the top 10 movies or whatever, like we normally do. But I just, I thought it was super fun to read these, these people just being so upset about shit. <laughs> but listen, I've been that way before. I've seen stuff and I'm just like going on tyrannical. In fact, on our website, the midnighttrainpodcast.com, I was actually doing like blogs or like reviews of movies and whatnot. And I think I did one on like The Witch or, or I don't know. I did a, a few of them there when I had time in my life. And, um, you know, I can, you know, I understand. 
you, you gotta you gotta you gotta vent especially because you spent like an hour and a half two hours out of your day and all of a sudden you're just like fuck this movie anyway so that was the icebox murders and listen i i just uh i i i tried to find as much as i could on it uh, and try to dive into it a little bit further for you guys and please do your own research find if you can find some other shit that'd be awesome um, if you were from that area or if you know about it, I would love to hear some input from, you know, people in that, uh, you know, the Texas area that may know about it. That'd be super cool. Um, yeah, but that's, that's, that's pretty much all I could find. And uh, hopefully it was, I mean, it's, it's fucked up. Like we don't know. There's so many unanswered questions. And then you have all these people kind of like throwing, you know, just, just fucking baloney at the wall to see if it'll stick. You know what I mean? Just, you know, by the way, if you ever try that, I, Please videotape it and send it to me. That'd be amazing. Anyway, so that was that. was that. So let me know what you guys thought of that that story. Thank you for letting me tell it to you. Uh, hopefully you dug the way I told it. And uh, yeah, like I said, not, not a lot of info, but uh, hopefully someday we can actually get to the bottom. I, that, that's one of those ones where I feel like may never get like any kind of conclusion to it, you know, because it's just, it's so not not random i mean the 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 biggest part about it is is how brutally the older couple were murdered you know what i mean and like the dismemberment and so on and so forth of their bodies and then put then sliced and put in a refrigerator who does that doesn't that sound like mob shit doesn't that sound like mob shit and if it was the son then how come you hadn't heard about him doing it to anybody else ever before or after you know what i mean it's just wild the whole thing's insane to me Anyway, let me know what you guys think, and yeah, that'd be great. So, uh, you know how it is. Just let me know if you guys think it's it's going to be solved, if you think it was him, if you think it was a mob hit, if you think, you know, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know. Anyway, make sure to stop over to our official website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com. At our website, you can buy some amazingly super sweet merchandise um, at our store over there. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of shirts. There's, you know... Ja- ja- not, are there jackets there might be jackets i don't know anymore um there are there's just a bunch of stuff there's phone cases there's hats there's le- jeggings leggings whatever the hell the ladies are wearing nowadays or men i don't care you wear it too anyway there's a bunch of stuff over there get over there get yourself some swag and you know promote the show and show everyone else that you're a lot cooler than they are and if you've got through this far and you like what you've heard from the show do me a favor, consider being a producer by heading over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or go to patreon.com forward slash the midnight train podcast. And for as little as five bucks a month, okay, it's like literally less than a Starbucks. I bought a Starbucks coffee the other day thinking I was drinking healthy and it was like $7 for a coffee. That's insane. It was delicious though. It was like a brown sugar uh, espresso shaken fucking oat milk thing i don't know whatever starbucks sponsor me anyway so for five bucks you seriously get all the uh the bonus stuff and i mean there's different tiers in there too so if you want to get like custom shirts custom posters custom stickers you know whatever but it's all about the bonuses and the bonuses are way more off the cuff and more fun i get to kind of relax and kind of do you know our thing on here so get over there and do that so if you you don't want to be a you know a first class passenger if you will then patreon is for you most importantly Share the midnight train with everyone, please. Word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to bring you weekly episodes. Now, listen, if you made it this far, yes, I did not mention one time that I was on the History Channel. Absolutely. And it was a nervous, crazy moment in my life where I had no idea what the hell was going on because they didn't tell me anything. (laughs) Literally, they didn't tell me when it was going to be released. They didn't tell me if I even made it 
in, into the show because, you know, sometimes if you're not, you know, if, if you don't fit, they can not include you into the episode or into the show or whatever you're doing. And so immediately I was just like, I don't know. But then I'm just sitting there and they didn't even tell me when the commercial was dropping. And then all of a sudden I get a Facebook message from a friend of mine like, dude, <laughs> why didn't you tell me you were on the History Channel? I was like, what? How did you know? And he shows me like the uh, the picture of me on it. And next thing you know, I'm doing some looking up online. And sure enough, there it is. And then my wife, uh, being the amazing backup that I have, she uh, she said she wanted to do a, uh, a watch party. And so we did a watch party at our establishment. And uh, thank you to everyone that came out for that. That was super cool. And I did not know what to expect. I was so nervous. I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to look stupid. Or I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm just not, uh, I, I, they didn't give me any like, hey, check this out ahead of time to make sure it's okay. I guess when you sign stuff, it's just like, whatever you want, there's my likeness. <laughs> so I did that and uh, yeah, it was uh, a lot better than I anticipated. I actually got a lot of compliments from it and I appreciate it. And if you're here right now and you're listening to this because you saw that, uh, do me a favor, uh, just drop me uh, something on the socials. Let me know, you know, get over on the Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or freaking wherever Send me a, a private message. I don't. I don't care. Whatever. Let me know that that's where you uh, you heard it. In fact, no. You know what's even better? Leave a review, and then like on you know Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, and say that you saw us on the or saw me whatever on the History Channel. That'd be amazing. And by the way, the show is uh, History's Greatest Mysteries. That's right. The uh, one and only <clears throat> Lawrence Fishburne. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's right. We were hanging out the whole night. You know, I, I got his phone number. You know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna kick it soon. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I didn't even get a chance to meet anybody. It was just me and like three other people in a room. That'd be super cool to meet him though. You know, anyway, he's in the matrix. Come on. Anyway. So if you are here because of that, that's super cool. Thank you so much. I know we're not exactly what you think of when you see that on that show, because I'm very like matter of fact, like this is the Antikythera and they keep calling it the Antikritha or something like that mechanism. But I swear I looked up the pronunciation of that and I think they're saying it wrong. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. History Channel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're amazing. Anyway. Yeah. So thank you for that. And if you haven't seen it, get out there, find it. It's on um, Apple TV. It's wherever the History Channel is. So if you have cable, it's on History Channel. And if uh, you've got Apple TV or Hulu Live or, or, or I don't know, there's like five other places you can look. Amazon. You can go to Amazon and you can buy the episode. <laughs> Please don't do that. Don't buy the episode. Give your money to me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But I mean, if you want to buy it, buy it. Anyway, moving on. I just wanted to touch on that real quick because, yeah, it was super cool. And this show and you listeners are how that happened. Truthfully, me doing this and and Logan doing it with me as well and, and us you know, putting all everything we did into it, that's what got us, got me on, on, onto that show. And that's super cool. And I thank you so much for that because if it weren't for you, I wouldn't be doing this. So there you have it. Now listen, obviously we love music and want future generations of musicians to have accessibility and music education. So of course we give to a great cause, the Save the Music Foundation. Their mission is to help students, schools, and communities reach their full potential through the power of making music, which I love. You know, I'm kind of a musician myself. <clears throat> Not according to that song in the beginning. 
is one of the leading music foundations in the United States. Uh, they support their partner communities in three ways, by donating musical instruments and musical technology, providing support services for teachers, and advocating for music education, which I believe is a big thing because if kids are getting involved in music, that means they're not getting involved in bad shit. You know what I mean? Give them, Teach them how to play an instrument. And if they don't like one, give them another one. Keep trying. Keep trying with them until something clicks. And it's not even like, oh, I'm going to be a rock star someday. It's it's learn, learn, learn this. Get some, you know, have a passion about something because that's important in life. Because then you won't, you know, idle hands. You're not going to be falling off and getting involved with your buddies that want to go and, you know, I don't know, rob a liquor store when you're 12. I don't know. That could happen. Probably has happened. So anyway, we donate 20% of our merchandise sales and our Patreon donations from both shows. That's Icons and Outlaws and this show. So, um, you know. Get over there, support the show, get tons of bonuses by becoming a Patreon member, and help a great cause. And for more information or to donate personally, just go to savethemusic.org. So do us a favor. Don't forget to uh, follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all of those out there. If you can leave a review on a website, please do us a favor and leave us a five stars is kind of the best and helps us move up the ranks and stuff. And it's kind of cool and super important. And yeah, if you're going to leave a one star review, just just, you know what, just save your just don't do it. Just don't do it. OK, how about I give you a dollar to not do that? Is that I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Everyone's gonna be like, where's my dollar, dude? <laughs> anyway, I don't have a dollar. So anyway, we need all the reviews we can get. So get over there, leave us a review. Like I said, I don't care if it's a, hey, saw you on the History Channel. Or, hey, that blue jacket is super cool. Or, hey, what the hell's wrong with your ears? Because I have gauges and they were like hollowed out. Anyway, whatever, just watch the show. So I can't thank you guys enough for all of your love, support, the new listeners, old listeners, especially for being on this ride with us for so long. You guys do keep the train moving, baby. So thank you, amazing, amazing people for listening. And uh, a special thanks to our fearless executive producers, first-class passengers, or poopers, if you will. (laughs) To Micah Purdue, Dale Dale Wells. I screwed your name. You're the second name, and it's Dale Wells. I mean, it's kind of hard. Let's be honest. Dale Wells? No, I said it right that time. All right, so Micah Purdue, Dale Wells, Mindy F., George DeJesus, Megan McTerry, Thomas Love Sabota, Amanda Denz, Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Eramo. It's probably, you're probably not even remotely Spanish. Anyway, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, who is a lot Spanish. I'm just kidding, only because of the mustache. Um, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, Jacob Co- uh, Cook, excuse me. Uh, Maggie Brothers, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunsman, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Darty, uh, Sydney Sayer, Janet Sherrill, uh-huh. Did it right that time. Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb over at the Fun Box Podcast, Christina Skelton, and Jessica Bartolome from the Sisters Skelton Podcast. Do me a favor. Get over there and check both of those amazing podcasts out. Um, they're, they're, they're still rolling and doing their thing, and they're great. So make sure you uh, check them out and tell them that I sent you. Uh, to Maria Gibbs, to Chainsaw. What the fuck? Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Batchelor, Katie Brabinick, of course. Our good friend Katie, and to the one and only future Mr. Jennings. <laughs> it's my show, Bill. I can say what I want. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyway, his future. Never mind. I'm not even going to get into it. Anyway, oh, good for you. How's that? 
<laughs> ah, listen, thank you guys so much for everything you do. Seriously, just keep spreading the word for us. And if you want your name to be mentioned on the show and for me to be forever grateful, uh, just become a Patreon producer and uh, not, not just become a Patreon producer. That sounds like I'm low key, like just become. That's the only way you're going to do it. But for those that actually throw their hard earned money at the show, we definitely want to mention them. And that's why we do this. So, but to everyone else, I mean, seriously, just listening means the world to me. So, Thank you for that. I'm done talking. That was the Icebox Murders. I have no idea what to think of that whole thing. And, uh, listen, stay safe out there, passengers. And as always, a choo-choo. No, that wasn't good enough. Hold on, let me do it again. Choo-choo, motherfuckers. Go home and get your fucking shine box.